following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Seeing your faces off the glory of our God. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, thank you that we can now come under the power of your word. And Lord, we ask us, what, what we do not know, teach us. What we do not have, please provide for us. And what we're not, please make us. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow. Well, during this Christmas season, I believe many of us will be getting plenty of gifts and packaging them for our loved ones and friends. So just a show of hands, how many of you are yet to practice the full contact sport called Christmas shopping by entering the chaos of Westfield Parramatta Shopping Center to buy presents while pretending to be a contestant on Australian Ninja Warrior, navigating the hordes of people? Michelle and I, the kids were the other day, and oh my goodness, it is packed. I mean, we thought Gold Coast was bad. This is a whole nother level. Now, here's another question. How many of you have already wrapped all your Christmas presents? Anyone? All right. How good are you at wrapping your Christmas presents? Are you like the mom? Which is like, not like my mom, like absolute perfection, like elaborate with like Christmas holly and birds singing and twittering around. Or maybe you're like the sister who just, you know, just gets it right, satisfactory to stand it. Or are you like the brother who tries but epically fails? Or are you like the dad who just can't be bothered? <laughs> I think regardless of what category you fall into, the purpose of packaging a gift is to transport it from the giver to the receiver so that it arrives intact, unlike some of our belongings from the removalists, and it can be presented to the recipient in a surprising manner to their great benefit. And that's exactly what God our Father has done. When he packaged Jesus in human flesh, he sent him from heaven to earth and he presented his one and only begotten son who surprised us with amazing grace and the benefits of our salvation. So amidst all this busyness and, and emotional and physical traffic that comes our ways, it is so easy for the message, the meaning, and the miracle of Christmas to be missed. And it's important that we come back to the Christmas story. And, and many of us, you know, when we think of the Christmas story, we think of Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and they are like documentaries of how it historically played out. I can just imagine David Attenborough going, and here we have the infant Jesus being laid in the manger. And whoa, behold, the wise men coming from the eastern lands at this time. And as wonderful as it is, I believe John chapter 1, we get the meaning of Christmas, which is even deeper than the documentary. Because what we're happening here is we're zooming out and we're looking at it from a cosmic level. We're getting VIP behind the scenes, backstage passes of what was happening during Christ's birth. So you please turn with me or switch on with me. John chapter 1 verse 14. That's our scripture for the day. And we're going to read it. And the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in 1999, if you can remember that far, um, a very famous talk show host, agnostic talk show called Larry King, was still alive. He's passed away since then. And for once, he actually swapped seats and he became the interviewee, but in an interview hosted by none other than Donald Trump before he even became president. I know it's kind of weird, isn't it? And Donald asked Larry, Larry, if you can go back in history to interview any person and ask them any question, who would that be? And what would you ask them? And Larry, without batting an eyelid, said, Jesus Christ. I would like to ask him if he really was indeed virgin born. Because the answer to that question would define history for me. If Jesus was virgin born and therefore truly God, the word made flesh who dwelt among us, then that does define history as his story as we know it. Jesus is God packaged in human nature. The technical word for this is called the incarnation. And it comes from the Latin and it means made flesh. Now, I know this church loves their food. It's like, it's the Pope Catholic, it's PCC loving food, right? Um, you would know of a Mexican dish called chili con carne, yeah? It literally means chili with meat, chili with flesh. So in the, the incarnation is God with meat, God with flesh on. And I believe it is the most profound and mysterious miracle in the entire Bible. You see, Jesus needed to be both fully God and fully man. And by being of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was able to be both. So if you're taking notes, my first point is this. Jesus is God. The Word became flesh. In the Old Testament, God comes to Job in a whirlwind, to Moses at the burning bush, to the Hebrews in the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, and to the Israelites through the words of the prophets. But when God comes to us in Jesus comes as a baby. Just take a moment to think about what a miracle this actually is. The great I am, God, whom we see through the passage of the Old Testament, the eternal word who spoke stars and galaxies and the universe into existence, the one who holds the universe together by the power of his word, the one who lifts up nations and brings down rulers. The one to whom Moses asked, may I see your face? And God responds in mercy, no, for you will surely die. He comes to us by lowering himself into creation as a baby. And so Christmas is so much more than just a nice extra holiday or an opportunity for us to make our stockpile of dad socks grow bigger. Christmas is a revolution in history. It is a miracle entering the madness. It is the king of glory leaving his throne and exchanging his crown for a manger. It is the creator who entered creation, the almighty, all-powerful one, swaddling himself with approachability and vulnerability as a child. The infinite coming as an infant 
The author putting himself on the page of the book of life. The giver and coming and giving himself as the gift. So when we talk about the Christmas miracle, we are saying that if we behold the Jesus whom we've been singing about in these carols, then we are beholding God Almighty. And that's why Jesus said things like, I'm going to judge the world. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And I forgive you of your sin. And that's at an ultimate level. All right? At a cosmic level. It's not like, oh, I absolve you. I, I, um, you took my Christmas shopping car park at Westfield. I forgive you. No, no, no. It's I absolve you of your sin and the consequences thereof. And these are things only God can say. And so we read through the page of the gospel accounts in Christ's life. We see that they're backed up with countless documented miracles as he lays claim to being God in the flesh. And through Christ's birth, life and death and resurrection jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies that were given hundreds of years before he was born and anosh did a fantastic job talking about this two weeks ago jesus did not just split time with his birth into bc and ad he's not just another prophet pointing to god as they say in islam but he is the one whom all prophets pointed to. And you know what this means, church? It means that our greatest need is for us to worship him. Because we will worship anything. We are worshiping creatures. Whether it's our bank account. For some of you, it's an empty worship experience. I'm not going to go there. Okay. Um, but we worship something. And so our greatest need is to worship him, to surrender to him, to treasure him above all else. It's like that Christmas carol goes, like we sang this morning. Oh, come and let us adore him, Christ the Lord. You see, Jesus needed to be fully God because one, only an infinite being could bear the burden of all of our sins. And secondly, salvation can only come from God if it could come for us we would be able to get out of our mess but we're not so we need salvation from God and the virgin birth shows us that salvation comes from outside of ourselves in a supernatural way and like any acceptance speech in an awards presentation be the Oscars the Academy Awards the Logies the Doves whatever you name it or any Disney Pixar plotline or narrative found in self-help books, salvation does not come from within, but from above. And if Jesus had biologically come from two human parents, then he could not be God. He could not be a God who saves us. He could not be a God who is worthy of our worship, but thank God he is. The Word who was in the beginning became flesh and dwelt among us and in being fully God he qualifies to be our all-sufficient redeemer Jesus is God but he's also human second point Jesus is human the word became flesh if Jesus is fully God we need to worship him but if Jesus is also fully human that means we can trust him you see, God came into the mess. 
God added humanity to his divinity. Again, imagine with me for a moment, if that isn't possible, but imagine the throne room of heaven with myriads of angels crying glory, praise, and honor to God. And there is Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Son of God, and the Word from which everything was created. And from that place of exalted glory, Jesus stoops, lowers, humbles himself, and incarnates, as Andrew spoke about last week so wonderfully, the cost that it was to him and the Father. Jesus, the eternal word, comes into the world as a battling baby. Through Jesus, God made himself touchable, embraceable, knowable, accessible, hurtable and killable. The early church father, Augustine of Hippo, he once said, he was created of a mother whom he created, and he was carried by hands that he had formed. On another note, you know, Joseph was his adopted father. And isn't it interesting? Joseph adopted Jesus, and then Jesus would adopt Joseph into the, fa into the father's family. It's amazing. Jesus needed to be fully human so he can be like us. He can identify with us. If Jesus is human, church, you're going to hear this wherever you're at, then no matter what you are going through, we can rest in the assurance that he's not disconnected from our suffering or our experience or the mundaneness of life. Hebrews 4.15 for that reason says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Church, he gets what you're going through. Not just intellectually, but he gets it experientially. When you talk to someone who's been through the same trial as you have, there's a special connection there, isn't it? Because they know, and Jesus knows what you're going through. We can trust him. And that's why verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christmas is the miracle of God not staying disconnected from our suffering, but entering into the mess. He is a messy God who loves a messy people. And Jesus needed to also be human so that he could be our legal representative before God, when it comes to being made right before God. You see, we as humanity, we sinned. And so we need another human to represent us. And Jesus being fully human fulfills that. That's why he's the second Adam, the greater Adam, who lived sinlessly and obeyed the Father's commands like none of us have been able to. And as Jesus was of one human parent and of God by the Holy Spirit's power, he was able to be both human and God. On the other hand, if Jesus had come from new human parents, then how could he identify with us? How could he sympathize with our weaknesses? How could he navigate a sinless life and die on the cross for our sins as our substitute? In being fully human, Jesus becomes our representative. And in being fully God, Jesus becomes our redeemer. 
And this truth of deity and humanity is so beautifully captured in so many of the Christmas carols we sung. And one of the reasons I asked Andrew to sing, Oh, Holy Night, the second verse that usually gets left out, is because the second half of the second verse goes like this. The King of Kings, deity, lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials, born to be our friend. He knows our need. Our weakness is no stranger. Humanity. And as Jesus was of one human parent and of God by the Holy Spirit's power, he was able to be both one God, two human. Which leads to our third and last point. Jesus is with us. I personally believe that this is, we, we most deeply need to see the truth that in Jesus, God is with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace, full of truth. And so instead of staying on the throne, he stooped into a manger. Because, hey, church, it was up to us. We could never get to God. But in Jesus, we see how deeply we are loved. Jesus is full of grace and truth. What does that mean? Let's start with truth. Jesus is God's truth, revealing that we are so broken, sinful, and helpless, more than we thought it were possible, that he had to come into the mess. See, we have rebelled against God. We have done our own thing, and we have tried to be our own sovereign God in place of him. Yet at the same time, Jesus is also God's grace, showing us what God is like and what his posture and disposition of his heart towards humanity is like. And so though we're more broken and helpless than we could ever understand, God is more generous and forgiving and abounding in love than we realize. There is more love and grace in God than there is sin in us. And so this truth that God is with us is truth that needs to be believed and grace that needs to be received. We don't earn. We don't put a show. We don't have it all together or we don't achieve or perform or work up to Christmas. God has come to be with us and is more generous than any of us. And he gives us the greatest gift of all, himself. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. My wife Michelle and I, we named our firstborn son Emmanuel because we want him to know that every time someone calls his name, it's a reminder that God is with him. Have you ever noticed in Matthew's gospel, it begins and ends with the same truth? It begins with, they shall call him Emmanuel. God is with us. And in Matthew 28, 20, it ends with the resurrected Jesus saying, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. 
And what this means is at the beginning, Jesus is with us by supernatural conception. And it means at the end, he's still God with us by supernatural resurrection and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Christianity is supernatural from beginning to the end. And this promise that Matthew bookends his gospel account with, Emmanuel, God with us, and behold, I am with you always, is the most repeated promise of God in the entirety of the entire Bible. Do you think God is trying to tell us something? From the Old Testament to the New Testament, over and over again, God makes this one promise to his people. I will be with you always. Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the garden and God was with them. Enoch walked with God and God was with him. And Enoch was no more because he got beamed up by God. All right, for you Trekkies out there, Danny. Um, <laughs> God made the promise that he would be with Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joshua, Amos, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Mary, Paul, the disciples, and to us, I will be with you always. And this is the promise that draws forth courage in moments of difficulty. And as God reminds us over and over again, fear not for I will be with you. This is the promise that gets us through the dark times of our lives. Why do you think Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For I am with you. We, church, we will live as fearlessly in this life as we understand that he is with us. Not just in an omnipresent sense that, oh yeah, God is here, but in a manifest presence sense that God's presence is here and I can sense him. In an uncertain, changing, angry, and fractured world of so much drama where everything breaks down, including our bodies. All right? We need to know Emmanuel. God is with us. Which is the foundation of a very uniquely Christian virtual reality called hope. Real hope. Not good vibes or wishful optimism, but confident anticipation grounded in the historical reality of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do. We all long for hope in this life. And we can turn the world upside down looking across the earth for hope in more philosophy, morals, good deeds, lovers, travel, experiences. Can I just say, church, if you need hope today, then don't go looking for another zero in the bank balance or another room in the house or addition to your garage. I mean, they're fine. They're nice. And we might find measures and slivers of hope, but we will not find fullness of hope. Because that stuff is going to become normal. It's going to fade. It's not going to fulfill us. I mean, you, you know, you know, when the new iPhone comes out, you queue up and you get all excited. And after a few months, meh. Oh, new iPhone. And the, the cycle continues. And it's because the longing for hope is not meant to be satisfied by something in this world, but by the author of this world. We will not find hope until we come to the most unexpected of places get down on our knees and look into a manger to find grace personified 
hope made touchable in the face of the Redeemer, who is God's promise to us. Our hope is in God's promise, which find their yes and amen in Jesus. And this is the grace we need to receive and make our home in. Because church, we live in a world where everything in our entire lives has been conspiring against the message of hope. I mean, do you remember your childhood schooling years? We're told to earn it. And through our working years, we're told to earn it. And, and the message of every religion and even perversions of Christianity says, do better, work harder, achieve, be moral, earn your salvation, earn your right standing with God, bridge the gap, stop being so bankrupt. But the real message of Christmas is so radically different to earn it. It's receive it. And the world demanding our performance, Jesus calls us to trust in his performance. And so can I encourage you, church, today, come to him with empty hands, believe afresh, and receive. You know, this, this truth of the incarnation has, has been so powerfully captured by so many Christmas carols. And probably a more contemporary one is called Mary Did You Know? And some of you, many of you know it. And I'd like us to just play a music video with that. And I'd like you to just to meditate on the word that was just received as you watch this video and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your hearts. So you can play that, it'll be awesome. Mary, my betrothed, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen and the sweetest smile. Don't be afraid. I'm the Lord's servant. Help us! Please! Lady. I believe your son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our son? and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new and this child that you
Santa's message is, be good for goodness sake. And that isn't good news at all. The real message of Christmas is that Jesus is good for our sake. And that is something worth writing and singing Christmas songs about, as we have just seen. All of our hope, all of our joy, all of our satisfaction is in remembering that Jesus loves the people on the naughty list. And he gives them what they do not deserve. We do not have to earn, perform, or work for Christmas. God is freely receivable to all who come to him. And so Christmas is not about climbing a ladder or making a leap, but bending a knee beside a manger and receiving the gift of grace wrapped in swaddling cloths lying therein. And so as we close, church, I, I want to encourage you to just come and surrender with the shepherds and the wise men. Come with bended hearts and knees to the king in the cradle. Come and celebrate with the angels that behold unto us a child is given and unto us a savior is born. Come with Mary and Joseph to behold the word made flesh, Emmanuel. God with us and we can come to God as a child on Christmas morning with all filled eyes and outstretched hands because we know that in Jesus God is more willing to give the greatest gift of all himself his presence and life to those who ask for it and so church if you have put your trust in Jesus today then let's celebrate these things. We never graduate from it. We, it never gets old. The gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A to Z. It's always there. And if you have not put your trust in Jesus yet, can I encourage you to do business with God in your heart and behold Him as the King in the cradle who laid down His divine rights so that you may be saved from sin and can be filled with His divine love. It's as simple as coming and trusting in Him. If that's you, I'd love for you after the service, there'll be people here who can stand with you and 
pray with you and answer any questions you've got. No pressure. But if you know Jesus and perhaps your worship's been a bit dry lately, I believe you just need a fresh illumination of the deity of Jesus. Just how big and sovereign and mighty He is as God. Because what happens is when you gaze long enough at the face of God, your heart will sink again. And maybe that's you and you just need that, 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 that top up and we'll be more happy to pray for you after the service. Perhaps you're going through a rough time and you, you want to trust God more in, in what you're going through. And you need a fresh understanding of what it means that Jesus is human, that He understands, He gets you, He's been there. And you just need that fresh understanding that He is your high priest who can sympathize with you so that you can trust Him more. Or maybe you're going through a scary time in your life and you need, you need a fresh touch that God is with you, that He's Emmanuel. And, and that, that, that you, your, your faith in Him isn't just a knowing, oh yes, God is everywhere, He's omnipresent, so therefore He's with me. But you need a fresh touch of God's manifest presence where you're like, you know, whoa, God is here. God is here. And you need that fresh touch. You come to, and we'll pray for that touch of God to do that. As we finish up in this one song, and we will just, uh, I'm just going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the humility that you have shown to come into our mess, to make us right with you. God, I pray that you'd stir faith in every heart in this room. Show to every man, woman, and child the greatness of your love towards us today. And may we glory in you and you alone, Jesus, this Christmas season. And God's people said, amen. Why don't we stand as we finish in one worship song. And if you'd like prayer, you're more than happy to come and answer any questions. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.